0: Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We'll be beginning in verse 18 of James chapter 1. And the title of this evening's message is, The Righteousness of Obedience. The Righteousness of Obedience. And now as we move through the book of James together, we, we find ourselves here in this verse and we're going to kind of go through this a little differently and we're going to do that because if you just, our focus is going to be verses 19 and 20 tonight and if you just read through those verses, uh, you would, would probably not be inclined to see the righteousness of obedience as the title of the message um, You've probably read these verses and applied them in a different way. And we're going to look at their, what I believe is their surface application. So if you just read verses 19 and 20, what are they saying? And then we're going to turn around and then we're going to go through what I believe the interpretation based on the context of James chapter 1 for verses 19 and 20. So we're going to kind of go through it uh, in that way because I believe there's more there than what you see if you were to just pull those verses up and look at them when you look at them in relation to all of James chapter 1. And so to this point, so that everybody's kind of as much on the same page as possible, we've seen James as he writes to the persecuted Christians that are scattered abroad. He's writing to believers, to his brethren, and they've been scattered abroad due to persecution. And he's essentially writing what is considered a test of faith. Uh, And so we said that what it is, is it's a way for them to look and say, am I living a Christian life? Am I living the way a Christian is supposed to be living? And if I am not, why am I not? It was a way for them to examine themselves. And so we said that it's important for them to do that because as they're scattered abroad, one, they're unplugged from where they had normally been, and so they're not seeing the normal Christian life. They're not going to their normal church, you might say. They're not worshiping in their normal way. They're in a foreign land. But then beyond that, we said they're also witnesses in this foreign land, and so they need to be living their lives according to the standards that they are supposed to be living their lives to make sure that they are doing the work of Christ and doing the things that they are supposed to be doing. And so one of the things that he wrote about after the introduction, he wrote The Trials. Or a way that we can examine our faith, we can test our faith, and we can see what is our attitude? What is our reaction to our trials? When bad things happen, when things don't go our way, how do we respond to that? Uh, Do we respond by looking at it as a testing of our faith? Do we look at it and give thanks to God for seeing us through it? Do we turn to God for our strength in those trials uh, or do we have a poor attitude in the trials? Do we turn to sin as a result of those trials? Do we allow them to tempt us to do things that we know that we should not be doing because we're going through times that we do not like? We dealt with financial trials and how do we view our possessions as James began to to deal with that as he knew that it was a thing we held near to our heart. We talked about how we love God, how we worship God as we go through our trials. And tonight we come to a place where I believe we're going to look on the topic of being obedient to the Word of God and being obedient to God by being obedient to the Word. So please stand this evening as we read from the book of James chapter 1 beginning in verse 18 of his own will. He brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you. We ask that you would do as only you can, Lord. And that is, bless the reading the hearing and the preaching of your word. Lord God, you have your way and your will in our lives, and we will give you the praise and the honor and the glory for all that happens. It is in your precious name that we pray, God, and all of God's people said. And you may be seated. So let's look first at verses 19 19 and 20. Let's get some practical advice from James that I do believe is quite applicable in our lives for sure. In verses 19 and 20. He says, my beloved brethren, he's talking to his brothers, and he says, every man should be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now one could say that for sure these would be good traits to possess, particularly in light of the trials that James has been talking about. He's been writing about how we go through trials and what our attitudes are, and he comes to this section and he says, listen, we need to be quick to hear but slow to speak. And we need to be slow to become angry and we need to be slow to have wrath. And we can see that and just think about that because I don't know about you guys, but I tend to be more quick to anger when I'm in a trial. When things are not going well, I tend to be more apt to snap back and and not want to hear and not want to to listen and not want to reason. I tend to be quick to get to that anger. I tend to be quick to speak whatever I'm thinking when things are not going as well. When things have have been going very well and and, and all that, I'm I'm usually pretty good at being able to, to process my thoughts before I speak. But when I'm on edge... When I'm right on the edge, I tend to be pretty quick to open my mouth and let whatever thought went through my mind come right out of it. I'm sure that you've seen it. I'm sure you've been a part of it. You know, you're not happy with a situation. You're steamed a little bit, a little bit heated. And suddenly, just the smallest thing pushes you right over that edge. And you allowed your trial to affect your reaction and instead of being slow to anger, you were actually quite quick to anger, quick to wrath. Now, let me ask you this. When it comes to tough times, when things are not going well, and you're steamed, I'm talking about you're not a little bit mad. I mean, you're, you're mad. What's the last thing that you really want to do? Hear logic and sound reason did not it? When I'm really mad, and my wife has a tendency of, of doing this to me. When I'm really mad, like ready to pop, she has a tendency of coming in and saying something extremely logical that makes perfect sense at just the wrong time. Anybody else have anybody in their lives that do that, or am I the only one? I mean, she'll come along and she'll be like, well... You know he's only seven. I know he's only seven, but uh, shoot, he's only seven. He don't know no better, does he? He's only seven, really? No, I don't do that. I tend to say, hush woman. No, I'm just kidding. If you know my wife, no, I don't use the hush woman card very often, but... The last thing that I want to hear is sound reason. Why? Because I want to be quick to react. My flesh says, "Uh, something's happening to me and I need to lash out at somebody. I want to feel better. I want to react the way I want to react. And James, as we read these verses, saying, saying, be quick to hear. Be quick to hear when you're in that moment of wrath, when you're in that moment of anger, when you're in that season, you need to be quick to open up your ears and hear what the sound knowledge and sound counsel is from the people around you because it may stop you from doing things that you regret. Because when you are quick to anger, when we get to that point that we're quick to anger, that's when we say and do things that we shouldn't do. Verse 20 says what? That the wrath of man does not produce... The righteousness of God. So when we react in anger, we cannot produce the actions of the righteous man. We don't have the ability to be in a, a esteemed state of anger and produce righteousness. And by righteousness, I'm in no way saying we can produce righteousness of ourselves. I'm saying we can't act as the man who has righteousness as a part of what God has imparted upon us. In fact, it's exactly the opposite. The product of what we do when we're swift to anger and swift to wrath is exactly the opposite. It is the the workings of the earthly man and not the workings of the spiritual man as we've been set apart by God. And so if you read those two verses, I said we were going to do this two different ways. I wanted to be quick the first way. When you just read those two verses, we can get some pretty practical application. I'm sure that most of us have even been through a time in our lives where we've looked at be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And we've used it as it applies to our interpersonal relationships, even our relationships within the church. And I'm not saying that that's a a wrong application of these verses, but I'm saying I want us to dig a little deeper because that's one of the the beauties of preaching through a book of the Bible is that we preach through its context as we go. We get to lay the groundwork and build and see this kind of the way that James wrote it under the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So now let's, let's back up just a little bit. And let's look and see if maybe there's a little more going on here in this letter. And to do that, let's back up to verse 18 for just a second. It says, Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Let's stop right there a minute. When it says, of His own will, He brought us forth. This, this language is talking about when He saved us, okay? This, this language is talking about when we were saved by the Holy Spirit of God. When we were saved, when He brought us forth, bringing us forth from death to life, when He brought us forth... He did it by His word of truth. Romans 10, 14 and 15 says, How shall they call on whom, Him in whom they have not believed? How can they believe in Him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear lest someone preaches? And how shall someone preach unless they are sent? It is written, How beautiful the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. Or those who preach the gospel of peace of the Prince of Peace. So Romans 10, 14, and 15 says, How can they be saved? Only by the preaching of the Word of God. People get transformed by the living, breathing, infallible Word of God. They get saved when the Word of God is preached and presented. Not only is it presented by a preacher in a pulpit, it's it's presented by the way that we live our lives according to it. It's, it's presented by the people who know the Word of God, who have been saved, who have been set apart, and how they live their example of that. But every Every time somebody gets saved, it is because the word of God has been presented to them. Because the gospel has been explained and presented in some way, that is when people get saved. So when it says, he brought us forth, so we were saved by the word of truth. We were saved as a result of the word of God, by the words of our holy God. And it says that we're saved and brought forth by the word of truth. Romans says that salvation is by the hearing of the truth. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker, who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. John 17.17 says, Sanctify them in the truth and your word is truth. Proverbs 30 verse 5 says, Every word of God proves true." Psalms 12.6 calls the words of the Lord pure or true. 2 Peter 1 20 says no prophecy of scripture is from someone's own interpretation and these are just a few places of references where, where, we, where I look through to see where it talks about the word of truth or how the word of God is the truth and how people are saved by the truth or by the word of God. And, and I wanted us to look at that. I want us to understand it. In verse 18 it says he brings us forth by the word of truth. The word of truth is the word of God that we have in front of us. Genesis all the way through Revelation. The word of truth that we have. Now fast forward to verses 21 and 22. Verse 21 says we are to receive with meekness the word of God. Verse 22 says we are to be doers of the word of God. And I'm sorry, Ms. Loretta, I should have gave you those. I slipped Um, Verse 21 says, receive with meekness the word. Verse 22, be doers of the word. We're going to get into that next week and see where it talks about being hearers and and doers and, and not just hearers and all these things. And so he's talking about the word of God. So we see that in verse 18, he's talking about we got saved because of the word. In verse 21 and 22, he's saying we are to be doers of the word. And so for me, when I look at that, verses 19 and 20, if they're not talking about the Word of God, if they're not talking about the Word, they don't really fit. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm trying to point out to us. That's the case I want to build. If suddenly we go from talking about the Word of truth, and then we just take two verses and talk about anger and speaking and all of these things, and then go back into talking about the Word of truth, it doesn't really make as much sense as if, If we looked at it and said, perhaps as James writes these verses, he's still talking about how we handle the Word of God. How do we respond to the Word of God in our lives? And so when we look at these and we start to see that, now all of a sudden, verse 19, when we look at it, it says, So then, my beloved brethren, my fellow believers, let every man be swift to hear the word of truth. Slow to speak the word of truth. Slow to wrath, slow to anger with the word of truth. Why? Because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. But what does produce the righteousness of God? The word of truth. Now all of a sudden those verses take on a a totally different meaning. So we're going to spend just a few minutes looking at what does it mean to be swift to hear the word of God? What, What does that even mean? And that's perhaps the easiest one to, to explain, but the hardest one to do. You ever noticed how sometimes things that just make the most sense and should be so easy are so hard? I was sharing with Ms. Dot, earlier we were talking about these tables and stuff in the classroom. I'm trying to get these the right tables in the right classrooms where the kids have the table that's the right height and the right shape and the right color and and all of this stuff and you know we went through this entire project renew on this wing we didn't really hit a hiccup or a major snag until time to buy tables and if you had told me when we started this project I'd have said that tables was going to be the easiest thing in the world we'd just buy some tables and then the tables would just come in and when they came in I'd put them together and we'd all sing kumbaya and be happy but it just doesn't work that way I mean, one table showed up via FedEx. Some, some of them are sitting at the post office and they won't even bring them. They said the box is too big. And I went down there and you, you'd need a Mack truck. to pick. I need to send Irvin when his arm gets better to pick them up. And they're not the right tables to begin with. I mean, they're not even the right. T- I mean, I'm telling you, it's, it's like the thing that was supposed to be so easy, just get tables has turned out to be so hard. And that's the way it is sometimes. So when we look at this, we'll be swift to hear the Word of God. That should be easy. Just hear the Word of God. But for some reason, we struggle with that. We struggle to tune in to the Word of God too often. But it should be easy. As believers, we should be zealous to hear a Word from God. We should be Here with our ears open and hearts open every time the Word of God is preached, every time a Sunday school class is taught, we should be excited and zealous to come and hear the Word of God and let it filter into our lives. Why? Because as children of God, we ought to want to be more like God. How can we be more like God? By listening to the Word of God. It should be so simple, yet what do we do? What are we inclined to do? We're inclined to sit and and hear it, but not listen to it. We're inclined to sit in class and hear the words spoken, but not let them permeate into our lives and change anything. We show up and we look like we're listening sometimes, but we have no intention of really being swift to hear the Word of God. And can I just tell you something? According to Isaiah 55, 11, the Word of God will accomplish its purpose. So if it isn't changing you, then you're not really hearing it. Let me say that again. If the Word of God does not change you, you didn't really hear it. How do I know that? Because you are not perfect yet. I know all of you. I think. And all of you know me. And I can say without a shadow of a doubt that there's not a person in this room has arrived in holiness yet. Me and Charles are real close. See, I gave you a compliment. I usually pick at you. I thought I'd give you a compliment. Not one of us has arrived in holiness yet. Therefore, when we hear the Word of God, which is holy, it should change our lives. Imperfect people can't hear a perfect word from a perfect God and not desire to change something inside of them. Now, I didn't say it automatically creates a change, but it should create a desire to be more like the Word of God says it needs to be. So we need to be swift to hear the Word of God. Remember, this is... Testing our faith as this letter is written. So we should look at ourselves when we hear these words and say, Am I quick to hear from God? Am I quick to hear the word of God when it's preached? Then he says, slow to speak. Now wait a minute, Brother Jason. Now you stand up in the pulpit all the time and you tell me we ought to be excited to tell people about the word of God. And now... You're saying that James is saying we should be slow to speak about the Word of God. So which one is it? Well, we should be excited to tell people about Jesus. We should be excited to tell people about the Word of God. But we should never be excited to do anything with the Word of God that we have not prepared our hearts to do. Let me say that again. We should never seek to do anything with the Word of God that we have not prepared our hearts to do. I, now notice, I didn't say you need to understand the Greek terminology and the, the past-present tense and where each scripture is found in the Old Testament and all that. I didn't say that at all. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to talk about the Bible, but you do have to have a heart that's prepared to tell people about Jesus, which happens daily in your prayer life and in your, and in your walk. But I believe that as James writes, slow to speak. Keep in mind where the Christians were as they were scattered abroad. They had kind of pulled out from the church at Jerusalem and were now everywhere. And the tendency, the further away that you get from your home and from that place could have been that you would start to take the ideals and the things of the culture around you and start to infuse them into what you were teaching. And and James is telling them, I need you to keep a few things in mind as you're out there and you begin to talk about this Word of God. And one of those things is I need you to remember what Paul wrote in 2 Timothy. He said you got to do your best to present yourselves approved by God when you are handling the Word of God. You can't stand up and speak haphazardly about the Word of God. You can't stand up and do this without living it and breathing it and studying it yourself. James in chapter 3 verse 1 would write to teachers and those who preach the word of God that they will be under a heavier judgment. So why should we be slow to speak when it comes to the word of God? Because there is a weight and a burden to those who teach the word of God. There is a weight and a burden to those who teach the word The Word of God. So we should never handle it haphazardly. We should never never handle it without our study and our reproof and our sound doctrine. The Word of God tells us that there is life and death in the power of the tongue. The Word of God tells us that by the Word of truth people are saved. People's lives hang in the balance when you present the gospel of Jesus Christ. You should never take that lightly and do it haphazardly. I hear stories that, quite frankly, scare me to death sometimes about preachers who stroll into pulpits each and every Sunday with no real preparation or no time devoted to study. And I've heard preachers unfortunately geographically close by who tell me that uh, well I've had preachers tell me before that carrying notes into the pulpit shows a lack of study and that he just sometimes doesn't know what he's going to preach until he walks into the pulpit as if it was a badge of pride and I thought well how I'm not saying that there's never an opportunity. The Word of God says be prepared to preach in and out of season. You should be able to to preach the Word of God if you're called to preach, but I do not believe that you should ever do it with haphazard notion. I'm not saying you shouldn't hear from God. I've come into the pulpit before and preached something different than I thought I was coming in here to preach, but it wasn't because I wasn't prepared. It's because I had prepared so much that God used something else during the sermon, and I cannot imagine coming into the pulpit unprepared to preach the Word of God to the people of God when the brevity of what we're doing is there. Friends, Sunday school teachers, you fall into a similar category. It doesn't matter if you're teaching the kindergarten class or the preschool class or if you're teaching the senior adults class. There is a weight of judgment upon you for how you handle the Word of God when you teach to the people of God. And this is why that I made a promise to you. I don't know if many of you remember it, but my first Sunday as your pastor, I made a promise to you, and it is one that I can assure you I will cling to because of the warning from James chapter 3, verse 1, and it was this. If I am not prepared to preach on a Sunday morning, either because God has not given me clarity or has not revealed to me what he would have me preach, I will not preach that morning. We will pray. That is my promise to you. I take the word of God that seriously when it says that. I am not going to preach unless I know that God has revealed to me what He would have me to preach. So I want to give four warnings to teachers in light of this thought. Might I also add that we should all be teachers in some capacity. Even if you don't teach the Sunday school class, you should have someone in your life you should be about sharing the gospel to, but specifically the teachers. Four people who should not continue to teach. One... Those who do not respect the inspiration and the authority of the Word of God. If you don't believe the entire counsel of the Word of God, Genesis through Revelation, if you doubt its authority or you have question about whether it is divinely inspired, you flat should not teach. You are not called to teach. You are not in place to teach. If you have any doubts about the authority of the Word of God. Second, if you sought out that teaching position because of the honor or standing that comes along with it from personal glory or from fortune or fame, you absolutely should not be teaching. You're doing it for absolutely the wrong reason. If you're too lazy to prepare, then you shouldn't teach the Word of God. And if you have no enthusiasm... And I don't mean everybody's got to st- I know sometimes I get excited and stomp around up here on this stage. And I know other pastors that stand still and never raise their voice and do just as good a job as I do of getting the Word of God across to the people of God. I am not talking about style when I say this. But if you can't get excited about the Word of God, if it doesn't change you when you hear it, you don't have an enthusiasm for the Word of God, then you should not teach the Word of God. I had a supervisor, I guess you would call it, in a previous career who had been with the company for a great, great long time and had all kinds of knowledge about the company and the procedures of the company. Therefore, they felt like he would be a great teacher and trainer. But because of all of his years with the company, he had become quite jaded to many things within the company. And as he stood before new people in the company to train him, he had about as much excitement for what he was doing as I do for going to get a root canal. And so as he stood through the training class and he went through the videos and he said, and this is what you should do in the event of an objection Relating to finances, this is how you should handle it. Now, guys, I've been through this before. He had no enthusiasm for what he was doing. And did you know that nobody came out of that class any better than they were when they went in? If you, if you can't prepare and you don't believe in the authority of the Word of God, and you've taught that class for your own glory because you think of some standing that you get as a result of it or that everybody thinks that you're something, something special, and you don't have any desire to prepare, and you're not enthusiastic about the Word of God, nobody in that class is getting anything out of your teaching of that. The only thing that they're getting is because God Himself ordains that His Word doesn't return void. So sure, you may get up and read some scripture and they may affect people, but you are not impacting that class. You are doing it a disservice. And worse than that, you are putting a weightier judgment upon yourself. The Word of God says that teachers are held to a stricter standard if we stand and teach the Word of God. And I believe that's what James is talking about when he says we're to be quick to hear the Word of God, but we're to be slow to speak it. We're to speak it in preparation. We're to speak it correctly. And finally, slow to wrath. We're going to listen to the Word of God. We're going to speak it in preparation, and we're going to be slow to anger at the Word of God. So what do you mean about anger at the Word of God? You mean people get angry at the Word of God, Brother Jason? Oh, yes, people get angry at the Word of God. We need to be prepared to let it change us and not seek to change it. When we hear the Word of God, we have to be willing to realize that maybe we're wrong and the Word of God is right. But far too often when somebody presents the Word of God, the first thing we do... That ain't what I always thought. Well... Maybe you should be willing to look to the Word of God and see if maybe you always thought the wrong thing. Not saying that you did, but I'm saying you should at least be open not to be angry when the Word of God is presented. I have some people have seen people get up and walk out of services because of something a preacher said from a pulpit that was 100% accurate. Now, I've seen people get up and walk out because preachers got off of the Word of God and began to preach a personal opinion that was heated. But more often than not, the people that I've seen get angry, kick back and cross their arms or walk right out of the front door as a show of solidarity were mad about something a preacher said that was 100% the Word of God accurately interpreted. But they didn't like it because what they wanted was for the preacher to preach what tickled their ears. And the Word of God says that in the times, people will seek to hear what they want to hear. They'll look for pastors that will tell them what they want to be told instead of pastors that will tell them the truth. Because they don't want to respond by hearing the Word of God. They want to respond in anger to the Word of God. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it will cut us to our very core. And it should, it should cut us right to our core. Just like I said a minute ago, ain't none of us holy yet. Ain't none of us got there yet. We're being sanctified, we're being pruned when we listen to the word of God. We're becoming different. You know something about becoming different is that it's never easy. It's never easy To change, because in order to change, you have to admit that you weren't right before. And that's not easy to do, particularly as proud people. We don't want to admit that we may have been wrong before. We want to be right all the time, but the Word of God doesn't let us do that. The Word of God says you're wrong. At your very nature, you're wrong, and God is right. And this is the word of truth, and this is what you must accept. And it is sharper than a two-edged sword, and it cuts you to your core, and it hurts, and it makes you different. And you, if you are going to hear the word of God, you are going to have to hear it and not respond in anger to the word of God. Sometimes we're not going to like what we hear. Sometimes we're not going to like what we read, if we're honest enough to read and study our Bibles. But James teaches us here, we're not to respond in anger to the Word of God. Why? Because the wrath of God does not produce the wrath of man, excuse me, does not produce the righteousness of God. The word of God is where the righteousness of God is proclaimed. So what does this all mean to us? How do we respond to it? Well, we ask ourselves first. Am I quick to hear the Word of God? I think it's a reasonable question that we should ask ourselves. Am I quick to hear the Word of God? Am I quick to let it come in and permeate my life and make me different? Or am I quick to resist the Word of God? What is is my first reaction? Is my first reaction to put my guard up and not want to hear it and not want to change and be angry? Or do I want to hear it and I want to say, All right, now, God, you've pointed out what's wrong How do we move forward, God? How do I honor you with my life? How do I glorify you with my life? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to for a believer. How do we live our lives to glorify God? And so we ask ourselves this question tonight. Am I quick to hear the Word of God? And if I am not, the same question that we've been asking ourselves as we've looked at each and every lesson from the book of James. If I'm not quick to hear the Word of God, Why? Why? What is it that has me separated from a place where I can hear the Word of God and not respond in anger? Is it because I don't really know God? That would be a very good reason not to be able to hear the Word of God. If you don't know Him, of course you live in ignorance. Or am I clinging to something in my life so tight, some sin or some thing that's holding me back so much that I just can't get on board with the Word of God because it means I'm going to have to change. And I don't want to. Let's pray. Father God, God, we thank You for Your Word of truth. We thank You because there is no salvation apart from Your Word, Lord God. We thank You that You reveal Your Word to us, Lord God. And God, we pray as a group right now that we would be quick to hear your word because we recognize that the only way we can move forward together is by moving forward in your word. The only standard by which we can judge is by your word. The only standard by which we can look at our lives is your word, God. So God, reveal to us your truths and change our lives this very evening. God, we love you and we praise you and we will give you the glory and it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org.